Well, obviously, we like Christmas at all in church. Uh, we go crazy. Um, we set up a lot of, of fun decorations. We have our, our nativity, all sorts of really fun, fun stuff. As we, as we set up the scene for Advent and to get ready for Christmas, Advent's that season before Christmas. We're kind of living in expectation of it. And, you know, it's funny because we kind of live in expectation of the actual celebration of Christmas. Like, you know what? December 25th, I'm going to get presents. There's going to be food. It's going to be amazing. But we also have to remember to, to let Advent be a season where we live in expectation of being to celebrate and worship Jesus. Because what we're really celebrating is that he came and he was born and he lived among us. And I think that for me, as I get older, I'm not going to say I'm old yet. So I'm having a great discussion about this before church, actually. But as I get older, I'm not as excited about the presents. I, mean, I like presents. I like stuff. I'm more excited about the food. <laughs> yeah. anyone, anyone like me and Christmas, you're like, food is like the number one. Like, I'm going to get to eat some delicious, delicious stuff. Hallelujah. <laughs> Me and Dr. Craig are on the same page on that. And, and the, the, like Christmas cookies? Oh, hallelujah. Christmas cookies. Bring <laughs> Dinner and the parties. There's so much good stuff. All good things, right? And if we don't get crazy, we don't we don't like gluttons. If we, we have a near cookie service, we have, we have cookies after service. And so we're heading into this series called Tis the Season. It's going to be a big series. It's five Sundays in December. Although that fifth Sunday, none of you will come to church. Um, statistically. <laughs> and we have a Christmas Eve service that's also in, in, the, in the mix for this. And so we have six messages where we're going to be looking at what, what is it tis the season for? Because, you know, the song goes, tis the season to be jolly. Fa la 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 Okay, okay, you guys know the song. What we're going to do is we're going to take an honest look at what it really tis the season for. Because I don't know about you, but around Christmas time, I've never had someone come up to me and be like, you know, Pastor Eric, you seem jolly. <laughs> I've never had that, that adjective ascribed to me. Sarcastic? I've gotten that. Um, goofy? You know, uh, funny, you know, I think it's a little bit jolly. I've never got, has anybody here, obviously, ever said, like, you're, you're jolly. Anyone ever told you that? Because I think, because of Christmas, because jolly is associated with Santa Claus, I think if someone called us jolly, we would think, you're calling me fat. <laughs> so, tis the season, and what really is it, tis the season for? Today, we're talking about hungry. Tis the season to be hungry. And some of you were already like thinking, when's he going to stop talking so I can eat lunch? What's um, lunch? You're right? But you're buying, aren't you? <laughs> what else is it tis the season to be? You know, we're looking at hungry today. We're also going to be looking at tis the season to be grumpy. Tis the season to be loving. Tis the season to be broke. <laughs> tis the season to be new, and tis the season to be amazed. And it's going to be a fun month. And some of those sermon titles, like, I've said those sermon titles, and already in your head, like, that's going to be a sermon on this, and you're wrong. 
Because every single one, we're taking an idea like that and we're kind of turning it around and transforming it into messages that you would not expect. And Christmas Eve is going to be the best, it's going to be amazing, and if you miss it, you're a chump. <laughs> Cancel plans, bring the family here, and get to Christmas Eve at Element Church. Not just because I think it's going to be an amazing night, it's my favorite service of the year, but also because Christmas Eve and Easter are the two easiest services for you to invite a friend to, or a family member to. And so it's one of the two opportunities of the year that you have to bring someone into church who wouldn't usually come so they can hear about Jesus. Because you have family and friends who are hungry. It is the season to be hungry. And they're not just hungry for cookies. You know what? We're really hungry to know that we have meaning. We're really hungry to hear God speak to us in a meaningful way. And it's funny because, like, what's the name of our church? Anyway, Element Church. Okay, good, good. Hundred, hundred points. Um, I would say most of us don't really think about the name of our church anymore. Some of us maybe have in the past, or maybe you came to an Element Next, and I told you what it was all about. But we're called Element Church because we believe that Jesus is the missing element for people's lives in our community. That that people are going around and they need Jesus because Jesus is the only way we get new life. And so we, you know, back in the day, Pastor, Pastor Rich named it Element Church because of that. But yeah, but really what we're saying is that Element Church is really Jesus Church because these people need Jesus. But if you call your church Jesus Church, it sounds a little pretentious. Maybe a little cult-like, but we didn't. But Element Church, we're all about Jesus. This is the season to be hungry. We believe as a church that people are hungry for something, and they don't even know it, but what they're hungry for is Jesus. So we're going to read a quick passage here from Matthew 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Yeah, you think? <laughs> I most of us feel like fast a day of food? That's nuts. But Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. The tempter, the devil, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So here's the good news. Tis the season to be hungry. Some of you are really worried that right after Thanksgiving, Pastor Barry's going to talk about gluttony. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to talk about fasting. Nobody wants to hear about fasting right before Christmas and right after Thanksgiving. Instead, if tis the season to be hungry, I want to ask you a few questions. What are you hungry for? And what are your friends and neighbors hungry for? Because we, we want to turn this around and not have it be about food, but instead, as Jesus talks about, have it be about God. What are we spiritually hungry for? And I really truly believe that the first thing you're going to say, we are hungry for Jesus, the Word of God. Deep down in our souls, 
Because God made us for relationship with him, we are hungry for Jesus. So we're going to read another passage of scripture here, and this is the beginning of the Gospel of John. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was light, and that light was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you've got four Gospels in the Bible. You've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Three of those are what's called synoptic Gospels. They're pretty much the same. Uh, they all have similar material about Jesus' life, written from three different perspectives. John's a little different. And John was a little different in his life, too. But John's gospel is distinct and different. And so this is actually the Christmas story in the book of John. Most of us, we think the Christmas story, we think manger scene, right? Uh, you got the, the camels and the wise men who really didn't come for a couple of years, but they kind of gloss over that. And you have Jesus in the manger, and it all looks so quiet and peaceful, and it's it never happens around childbirth, but we pretend. And that kind of Christmas story. And it's the, it's the fun one, the one we'll talk about on Christmas Eve. Even. But John gives a little bit different of a Christmas story. John starts talking about Jesus and Jesus as God. And John, instead of telling a story of a manger, talks about Jesus the creator of all things, uncreated, the source of all light, that anywhere where there's darkness, that Jesus shines, that he becomes flesh and dwells among us, and that we get to see his glory. The three other Gospels tell a story of Jesus' birth, but John tells a Christmas story of Jesus' glory. And we're hungry for that in our world. And I love that John here is actually telling, he's telling a creation story. That if you look in the book of Genesis, you see how you see God creating the world in that ancient piece of Hebrew poetry. That John writes a new piece of poetry and is telling us that just as God created in the beginning, you see that God in Jesus, the creator. Jesus talks about being hungry for every word that comes out of the mouth of God in Matthew. And then in John, we see that Jesus himself is the very word of God. And we have a hunger for that in our lives. Everyone is hungry for Jesus because Jesus said himself, hey, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the light. And no one comes to God except through me. And so each one of us is built, designed by God for relationship with Him. And we try to do it on our own. And at Christmas time is a great time to think about that because it's an easy analogy. Because we think God's like Santa. 
And there's a naughty list, there's a nice list, and that somehow if we can be good enough, then God will take us off the naughty list and put us on the nice list. And it doesn't work like that. Instead, we find that Jesus does it all for us on the cross. And when he rises from the dead, that Jesus took all of our sin, he paid all of our price, and we can't do anything to move ourselves from one list to the other ourselves. But instead, we have to know Jesus as Lord and God and Savior. And that he forgives us. We find that it only comes from Jesus. Life comes from Jesus. And bread is good. I love some bread. I love Pastor Craig's sermon illustration with bread a few months ago. We had to eat some of it. Bread is good. And man shall not live by bread alone. You do need bread, right? That's acknowledging that. You gotta eat. Or else you will die. But someday, for every single person, bread will not be enough. And we will need Jesus. What else are we hungry for? We're hungry for spiritual growth. We'd like to pretend we're not, because that's easier. Spiritual growth sounds like spiritual work. As it turns out, it is. But Hebrews chapter 5 says this, is in fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Jesus' example for, for us in, in the first passage, talking about how we need to be living out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God, and later this letter to a church in the church of Hebrew people, talks about how, hey, by the way, you've got to get this right. You've got to grow spiritually. Because we are hungry for that. We're hungry that we know Jesus to grow in him because healthy things don't stay babies. In fact, healthy things grow, don't they? If we water a plant, it grows, unless you're my wife. <laughs> she can kill a fake potted plant. It's amazing. <laughs> but healthy things grow as you water them. And what you put in determines what you get out. If you water a plant with acid, it is going to die. You have to water it the right things. And the things we need to eat spiritually are determined by our spiritual maturity. I, each one of us has to honestly ask ourselves, you know, hey, where am I at spiritually? But he talks about a couple different things here. And I think there's really four major, major like landmarks in spiritual, in spiritual development. I think that there's people who are seekers. <coughs> seekers are people who maybe don't, they don't know Jesus yet, they're not Christians. Then you go from being a seeker to a new believer. That's the infants they're talking about here. You've believed in Jesus, but maybe you don't understand really everything about what that means. I believe, but I've still got questions, and I'm trying to figure out what that, how I'm supposed to live, what it looks like to be a Christian. That's a new believer. You have a growing believer, someone who stepped past that infant stage and said, hey, you know what? 
I'm going to learn how to read the Bible on my own, pray on my own, and listen to God speak to me on my own. Once you've hit that point, you're kind of a growing believer. You're able to feed yourself. If you've ever been around an infant, infants cannot feed themselves. Someone has to take the bottle. I think I have. <laughs> and someone has to make them drink it. Infants cannot feed themselves. Spiritually, if you are not growing, unless you have somebody teaching you, like a pastor or a leader, if the only way you grow is that way, you are an infant. You have to be able to feed yourself. Then, from a growing believer, there's a final step. Fully devoted followers of Jesus. Fully devoted followers of Jesus are not only able to feed themselves, but they've surrendered everything to Jesus. Their time, their talents, their treasures, that's money, and their plans. A fully devoted follower of Jesus, all four of those things God is in control of. Most people, if they make it from new believer to growing believer, they get stuck before fully devoted because they're white knuckling on one of those four. They're holding on to it. They say, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm growing on my own, and you can maybe have my, my time and my treasure, but I'm not going to serve. Or you can have all, you have time and treasure, but you can't have my plans. I want to plan my own life. You're, you're still white knuckling onto something, and you haven't made it to that last step. Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you still aren't growing on your own. Maybe you're still waiting for someone to... That's happened now, isn't it? Gross! Good job, Aaron. Maybe it's time to grow up. Because deep down, one of the things you're hungry for is spiritual growth. Once, whatever, wherever you're at, whether you're a seeker and, and you're, you're looking to come to faith in Jesus, or you're, you're a newer believer, maybe you've been a new believer for a while longer than you should have been, or you're a growing believer, you're fully devoted, your food should be changing over time. God, deep inside of you, is pushing you to be at that next step of spiritual development. Solid food, it says in Hebrews, is for the mature. And, you know, we strive to make Sunday good. Like, we, we want to teach you things and talk to you about things that are meaningful, that help you grow spiritually. And our life groups are the same. We want all that to be good, to be edifying, to help you grow spiritually. But to be where Jesus wants you to be, you have to learn to feed yourself. Because if you're any normal person and you said, you know what, this week I'm going to eat on Sunday morning and I'm going to eat on Wednesday if I go to my meal, you would die because you're not eating enough to live. But somehow we think spiritually that if we, we get once, one, one or two kind of spiritual shots a week, that it's gonna, it's, we're going to grow properly, and that's not how it works. 
We are hungry for spiritual growth, so we have to learn to feed ourselves. Lastly, we are hungry for justice. Some of you are like, what? That's kind of a jump. Hungry for Jesus, for I wish we would justice. But I think this is a very big part of Scripture about how, how God made us and made the world. Because we're going to jump to the book of Revelation. If you don't know what the book of Revelation is, it's actually the, it, the, the most formal name for that book is the Apocalypse of St. John. Which sounds like a great name for a metal band. <laughs> and it's this vision that John, the same John who, who we read a passage from his gospel earlier, the vision he had in his exile on an island called Patmos, I believe. I got that wrong. You can write me letters about it. And he has this vision of just all sorts of crazy stuff. You read it, but at the very end of that, he's talking, talking about the end of all things when Jesus is returned and he's judging the heavens and the earth. And it reads like this: Then I saw a great white throne, and him, Jesus, who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. That's right, lake of fire. Get ready for a ride, this whole series. We're just getting started. <laughs> but I think this is a very important part of scripture to understand because as a culture, we are hungry to see things made right. You see that all throughout our, 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 the way our news is, is put on TV, if you watch social media, the things people post about. When we see that things are wrong, we want to make them right. And usually we don't actually know how to do that, but we try. And the very beginning of the Bible is all about this. It talks about in the very beginning of all things, sin leads to death. The fact that we are broken and lost and then we create chaos and death where we go because we are sinful people. And everybody in the world today can pay attention to what people are saying. Deep down, there's something in us that says, this, this is broken. And people are looking for somebody to come and save the, us from the brokenness. Just like in Jesus' day, when Jesus was walking on the earth, the country Israel was oppressed by Rome. They had been taken over. They were Roman soldiers in Israel. And they were looking for a savior who was going to be a political savior, a king. And that king was going to kick out the Romans. And when Jesus wasn't that kind of savior, they put him to death. And today, we're still, as a culture, looking for a savior. And maybe that savior is a president, or the government, or a diet, or science, 
whatever it is, we're looking for something to save us from all this brokenness that we see. We want to see justice, but none of the ways that we can come up with to do that work. Because we're sinners, and sin leads to death. But at the end of the Bible, we find out that ultimately all the wrongs are going to be made right. It starts, it starts with Christmas and with Advent and Jesus is coming. And someday at the end, Jesus is going to sit and judge. And the works of every person are going to be before him. And there's going to be books, books of, of truth about people's lives and there's going to be a book of life. And we get to know that in the end, Jesus judges righteously and perfectly. And at every instance in our world today that we've looked at pain and suffering and hurt and asked, where is God in this? We will see Jesus make it right at the end of the age. And we'll see that those who have faith in Jesus get to be with him and have eternal life. And conversely, those who reject Jesus and don't want him, they will get what they want as well. Separation. Because at the end of the age, there will be justice and grace for those who want it. Tis the season to be hungry. I think we're hungry for Jesus. Because in Jesus we find both grace and justice in its truest forms. And, and we see the answer to all the hurt and the pain in the world in him. That his kingdom is here. And that we can find in him new life and hope and peace. And we can grow to be the people who God made us to be. And we can ultimately know that whatever we see that Jesus is going to make it right one day. Would you pray?